Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is the 7th of June, 2023, and this is episode 367. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we will seek truth. But not truth. We'll seek truth. We're also going to ponder if Jake will ever win Fantasy Boss ever again. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It is time for the drink of the week. Scotty, my drink of the week is a bullet bourbon. Yummy, yummy. Yummy, yummy. yummy. Definitely yeah. necessary right now with the way the team is playing. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just doing uh, ice cold water. Uh, good time to be hydrating, uh, especially with uh, current environmental conditions. Um, if you want to know what we're drinking on a daily slash weekly slash monthly slash hourly basis, uh, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. I'm at JakeE4025. And I have to admit, I had fallen off the wagon a little bit. Oh, that's probably a bad reference. I had gotten out of the habit of checking in, and I'm I'm trying to get back to it on a more regular basis. Hold me accountable, Birdland. Yeah. We want to see those Michelob posts. Um, going forward. Everyone loves them. Absolutely. Well, with that, uh, let's get into other health conditions this week in the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. going to listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. Things are still too full. Tender. Yeah, it's a little little tender. Cedric Mullins, still out with the groin strain. Again, weeks, not months, but... No timetable. Yeah. No recovery games. No, you know, indication that he's stretching or throwing or anything like that. So, yeah. Buckle up. Uh, John Means, still still hurt. No timetable. No information. Just disappeared into the abyss speaking of disappearing into the abyss michael givens back on the il Mm -hmm. with right shoulder inflammation yeah he was sent to the il retroactive back to the first of june and i ask you roster crunch move ineffective response actual injury yeah so i mean i think anyone that is a long season orioles fan knows um, that there are a lot of potholes outside of Camden Yards. There are indeed. And uh, sometimes when you land to those potholes, especially for Michael Gibbons being in his you know mid-30s at this point, you know, that can cause issues as it relates to your back, you know, it can cause issues with your shoulder. It can sometimes even just cause issues with your limbic system. Um, so in this case, um, Michael Gibbons saw some right shoulder inflammation after stepping in one of these potholes um, outside of Camden Yards. Is there going to be a point where in, adi- in addition to our own self-referential navel-gazing, the references that we make to the Buckle Up Birds era will not land with our audience? I doubt. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe some of you newer folks out there. Um, but yeah, I think ov- overall, uh, as an Orioles fan that is listening to this podcast, uh, the saltiness runs deep. Um, so embrace it. Um, it's like a cured piece of meat. Like, we'll some better meat. <laughs> I'm sorry, Wilson. Uh, next, we've got Gunnar Henderson, who was out day-to-day with a back ailment. Back in the lineup tonight? Back in the lineup tonight. Uh, we'll see how that progresses. 
Um, but yeah, um, yeah, with Gunner and Mullins both being out of the lineup, it definitely started to look um, like a few punt lineups day upon day about upon day. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Gunner does in terms of recovering and getting back into the upward projections that he was showing before he went into the, to the you know day to day. Well, and that's an interesting segue to the next one. Joey Ortiz in AAA, yeah, um, was held out of the lineup after being sent down with an X strain, <laughs> and that makes me wonder, Scotty. Is that the reason that we saw Lester's promotion rather than simply bringing back Joey Ortiz? I think so. Because, again, they mentioned that they brought him up specifically against left-handed pitching. We know Ortiz was what before for that. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, I think it was, you know, they, they needed him for this kind of given series. Um, and then they move on past it. I think that the next Orioles director of travel or whatever position they, they just uh, flipped over will do a better job of equipping folks with neck pillows. I mm. think I think that will be an area Did in which they help. Hurt. No. Do you just, have a neck pillow? No. It was just a cheap joke. I have a neck pillow, and I don't know if it really helps. Are you putting it on your neck? And moving on uh, to 280 characters or less. Let's go to this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you start us off? All right. In this case, we're going to start with a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles, who, of course, tweet at Orioles. We've made the following roster moves. And there's a bright picture of the roster move. Reinstated left-hander Danny Kaloum from the bereavement list. Optioned infielder slash outfielder Taryn Vavra to AAA Norfolk. And Scotty, I ask you, is Taryn Vavra in a dangerous place? And I and I ask this on two fronts. Uh-huh. Is Taryn Vavra in a dangerous place because um, I'm trying not to say actual prospects because other minor leaguers on the Norfolk shuttle are threatening to become more productive than he is. And is the number of times that he has been optioned going to put him in a situation where he might be in danger of either being just stashed in the minors until next year or possibly exposed to waivers. Because remember, they have that new new five-time rule. Five-time rule. rule. Yeah. You can only do it five times before, you know, things fall off. Nine Uh, times. Now, on either of those fronts, though, does this, is this a move that makes you raise your eyebrows and say, oh, maybe, maybe we're not as uh, committed to Taron Vavra as we once were? I thought that for a while, honestly. Um, I think, I, I think we're going to see Taryn Varva maybe one more time up here. Um, but I think Taryn Varva is nearing his end of his Orioles tenure is the best way to put it. I would say it would be. He is not a player that the Orioles need. Correct. Full stop. But it does seem wasteful to expose him to wave to have to expose him to waivers because of the five time rule. Sure. And so I, I think that the Orioles probably will get to a situation in which they just leave him down there because a guy that can play some infield and some outfield and emergency catch in a quadruple A environment is I, a useful piece to have in an organization. I think the Orioles trade Barbara at later this year for a Danny Colomb kind of player, which is going to be like, eh, like, do we really want to do that? And the Orioles spin some magic out of it. Okay. Okay. I, I like that answer. Yeah. All right. Uh, next tweet comes from Danielle Allentuck. You can follow her at D underscore Allentuck. Hi, Marilyn. I'm back. Today's my first day covering the Orioles for at Baltimore Banner. I'm thrilled to be joining this fantastic organization, and I could not be more excited to be back home. 
Cool. Another person in the uh, in the press corps uh, covering the Orioles for the Baltimore Banner and female representation at that as well. Don't think we've had a female representation since Brittany Drolly left. Um, so yeah, great to see a little bit of gender diversity um, in in the press room. I also think the banner has done a really good job of of building a stable of of Orioles content creators in a way that I I don't think I was expecting. Um, it'll be interesting to see how far the banner can go. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's a it, it is an interesting venture, um, but they are committed to to providing sports coverage, providing Orioles coverage, and I th- I think they've done a nice job with who they've got involved. Yeah, I agree. Our next tweet. Our next tweet comes to us from, well, Bill F sixty two, and Scott. I'm I'm just gonna say it because I think it needs to be said. Bill is better at our shtick than we are. Um, it, most of the time, our audience is better than our shtick. Buckle up. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lot of reading here. Uh, there was, there was a tweet on uh, June fifth, in which uh, Bill tweeted at us. Bird's eye view BAL. I was at the O's Giants series this weekend, and one of the more notable moments was Saturday night when the stadium announcer's scoreboard closed captioning of Ramon Urias listed him as Ramon Burritos. This is funny. This is objectively funny on its own. Here's where we get that self-referential navel-gazing, because I responded with, hey, we did a bit back in the day in which Pat Falaika went back to Minneapolis, I think it was Minneapolis, yep. to open a burger joint. However, this is much better shtick, and I cannot wait to support the local franchise of the restaurant empire that will be Ramon Burritos. And then Bill, again, Chef Kiss, provided an actual image of a menu from a place called Ramon's Burritos. Um, Bill, I, I, I think at this point you're contractually obligated to simply take over Bird's Eye View. Um, you're, you're doing a better job yeah. than we are. It is no pay, and uh, you have to work with Jake pretty often, so... Um not that great. All right. Uh, final tweet for this week on the Twitters. Um, yeah. You know, Baltimore really likes its, you know, brother on brother conflict. And this comes from Jake Rill at Jake D. Rill. Um, Orioles Brewers this week features the first head to head meeting of the Urias brothers in Major League Baseball. All right. So we have got a Urias v. Urias yep. in, in the Harbaugh v. Harbaugh vein. Yep. Right. Uh, this is exciting. Brother versus brother. You know, it's a border state. Maryland is is used to this. We are we are stoked. Although I will say that so far, Ramon has not gotten the upper hand. No, not at all. But yeah, like I said, they were supposed to play each other last season. Uh, that plan was foiled when Luis was on the injured list at that particular point. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's uh, fun to see brothers going against each other, um, especially the Rigurious brothers. So let's see. If uh, Ramon can, in essence, uh, snap out of the slump um, and and represent uh, as the older brother of the two. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Come back, and we'll uh, we'll trot around the bases. Scott, here at first base, we considered it. Mm-hmm. We thought about doing the full-on truth of truth. I'm not sure, frankly, we can do that. I'm not sure there's enough truth out there for us to find right now. But that which we can find, I say let's go for it. And so I, I'm curious if some of these players that we're about to talk about are 
playing to their true form or whether what we're seeing right now is some sort of aberration. Yep. And I want to start with Tyler Wells. Sure. You and I, I feel like we've talked a lot about how much we want the Tyler Wells experiment to work. It seems to be working. Yep. And we've seen, in essence, the the whip be extremely impressive. Um, let's look at his numbers overall for the entire season. Oh, let's do it. Um, 9.22 Ks per nine, 1.84 walks per nine, uh, 1.84 home runs per nine. Um, and posting a 3.29 ERA, a 4.56 FIP, uh, a 4.02 XFIP, and a 3.66 Sierra. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are some really impressive numbers. The FIP number is definitely a little high, honestly. I love it, I love it when you talk birdie nerdy to me. Um, but I think, you know, you look at this year and you look at last year, um, he's up significantly in terms of that K rate, and he's also reduced his walk rate. So last year is at 6.60 Ks per nine. This year's he's at 9.22. He's actually eerily similar this year um, to the numbers he posted in 2021. Um, But obviously in 2021, he was not pitching as a starter. He was pitching as a bullpen arm. Hmm. Um, So it's interesting that his numbers, in essence, have started to mirror that of 2021 when he was in the bullpen. Tyler Wells is such an interesting guy because he's proven himself to be dependable. And, you know, if, if this team were in a, a playoff series, I would feel really good about handing the ball to Tyler Wells. I would feel really good if I had a one-game lead handing the ball to Tyler Wells. Okay, okay. One of the things that has been noted, I see this on the broadcast sometimes, is that he's still susceptible to the long ball. Yep, and we saw that with that 1.84 home runs per nine innings. The thing that I will say about that is that the remainder of the stats that you just rattled off, the whip particularly, the walk rate, is I think the thing that's making that not hurt so much. Agree. And the fact that that happens to be the the blemish mm-hmm. of the day, right? He throws, he spins a gem with one or two solo home runs, Yep. right? I really love the trajectory that the Tyler Wells experience is, is going. And I got to be honest, I... I I was biased. I've been waiting for it. I've been wanting it. But I think that I am of the vein to say next year he comes back as a starter, not as a maybe. No, I I agree with that, that I think he comes back as a starter. I think, you know, we I would pump brakes a little bit on the standpoint. So if we're asking ourselves truth, truth, like what is the truth of the matter? Yes, I think Tyler Wells is having a really great start of the season. I still look at him and I say, yeah, he really knows how to pitch effectively. But I think against, you know, upper level competition in, we'll call it playoff scenarios, that's where I just don't have the belief that he is going to be an absolute dominant pitcher. I think he's a, I think he's a great pitcher for a rotation for a long season. Um, I think we've seen that. Um, but to me, he's still a, you know, at best a three, probably a four and five in my book. That's a really interesting thing you said, because I was about to accuse us, you and I, of having a difference of opinion there. But I, I think that his ceiling is three. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I think you got, have to have three strong in a in a deep series. So, Completely agree. Uh, but okay, so again, you think that we are seeing the real Tyler Wells? I, I think this is the real Tyler Wells. It looks right. It it doesn't seem like he. I mean, he's got a low BABIP um, at like one eighty eight. Um, but I still look at this and I say this looks and smells right to me. It looks like he's going to be somewhere between a two to three WAR pitcher. That seems about right to me, like just watching him pitch that he's not dominating, but he certainly isn't 
you know, a, a bad pitcher. So yeah, I think this, I think Tyler Wells is for real. Um, I just don't think he is a top 30 starter in major league baseball. Like some people might think he is. Sure. Sure. I think that's fair. All right. Let's, let's move on and let's look at Ryan Mountcastle. Sure. Ryan Mountcastle, it seems is in a bit of a funk. Yep. And I ask you, is this the true Ryan Mountcastle or is this a bit of an aberration for what we think we're going to get from him? Um, I think it's not quite as bad as he is currently doing at this given moment. I mean, looking at his last 14 days, Ryan Mountcastle has a 54 rated runs created plus. That sounds not good. Not great. Uh, uh, 261 on base percentage and a slugging of 300. So yeah, not great. Um, I don't think Ryan Mountcastle is that bad. Um, but what I would say too is, I've always said this about Ryan Mountcastle. I think Ryan Mountcastle could potentially be a two-war player, but I don't think he's much more than that. So, like, he's one of those players that when I look at the lineup and I say to myself, when he's hot, he's great, but when he's cold, he's cold. Can I call him Mark Reynolds 2.0? I mean, you certainly can. I... I <laughs> I feel like he is more capable than than Mark Reynolds. I, I would think. I think, think defensively, you're sure, right about that. Sure, I, sure. I completely agree. But offensively, he really strikes me as a, a Mark Reynolds kind of player. That that is fair, particularly in the fact that he he's not particularly prone to walk. I, I think, you know, you say he's a two two war player. I'm going to believe you on that. In a, on a team like the Orioles, where you've got young players who are going to be making the difference, mm-hmm. right? You've got your Adley, you've got the player we hope Gunnar Henderson is going to be. We have a, a very strong uh, player in Cedric Mullins and, and uh, Anthony Santander. My question is, is two war enough out of the first baseman? And that's, I think that's the question I would raise is, you know, you're always looking to kind of improve your team and I don't think having a two-war player is, you know, a detriment whatsoever. But I think if you're looking at a playoff team, you, in essence, want your first baseman to be posting a three or four war. And I think people are going to be like, well, that's not that much of a difference. And you're right. It's not that much of a difference. But I think, you know, even coming back to the Mark Reynolds comparisons, you know, one thing that we saw in April that Mountcastle was doing an okay job with was he had a decent plate discipline. He was taking walks. Uh, and it was funny because I remember specifically beginning of the season, I think his first at bat um, was a walk. I know they get a single walk in spring training. Um, I think that's the killer for Ryan Mountcastle is, um, yes, he hits for pop. Yes, he hits for power. Um, but he has no walk rate. I mean, it's right now at 4.7% for the entire season. I'd like to see that closer to being at like, you know, 8 to 10%. I mean, Santander, for example. Um, who I think we all agree is a, is a really nice hitter, is at 9.6. That's where I would want to see a first baseman. I would want to see a first baseman be at, you know, 9 to 11% uh, walk rate, you know, a 20 to 25% K rate, and then have pop behind it. And that is, that's what Santander basically gives us. Um, I don't see that from Mountcastle. I just don't see the plate discipline, and it's a little too streaky for me um, on that basis when the if you don't have plate discipline um, to basically make think, make me think he's a great We'll call it top of the order hitter. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm starting to warm to the idea that he doesn't need to be in the lineup every day. Correct, and I think you know. Let's get back into the truth of the matter. I think the Orioles organization knows this, um, and this is why I would say this. Number one, 
Uh, you've seen Ryan O'Hearn stick around for a lot longer than I think we were I would expecting. Expected, yeah. Um, but Ryan O'Hearn has, you know, in essence come out and done a really nice job in terms of plate discipline uh, and showing some pop as well. Um, and then again, you've got Heston Kerstad being promoted to Norfolk and, you know, going to be getting first base reps at mm-hmm. Norfolk, which kind of tells me the Orioles organization looks at Mountcastle and says, we really like what you're doing as a player, but we're probably going to move on from you um, on a long-term basis. And that doesn't mean Mountcastle is going to leave the organization, but he might get turned into a DH um, mm. or he might turn into a bench spot and basically be a bench bat. Um, but I do think that, you know, going forward, um, I think we're going to see less of Mountcastle and more of this platooning between O'Hearn and Mountcastle. Um, and I don't think Mountcastle is one of your, foundation pieces that we always talk about as an Orioles organization. And, and I don't want to be mistaken for saying, I think he's a bum. No, that, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not, we're not saying that at all. It's, I'm saying that he's a, he's a good player. He's a, like I said, a two war player and that's not a bad player. But what I'm saying is if you want to be a playoff caliber team, you need to, in essence, have four or five positions uh, in your position player standpoints that are going to be, Almost all stars are all stars, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, that's not the case for Mountcastle. I can't look at Mountcastle and say he's a potential all star. Offensively, this season so far, he's got an eighty-eight weighted runs created. Yeah, plus, not good which, enough. For, not good enough for a first baseman, right? Now the question is, you know, if he's a streaky guy, does it go through? You brought up Mark Reynolds. You know, does it go through a two to three week streak where he's absolutely on fire sure. and suddenly we've know, seen that, like, right? I, I just woof. I I agree with you. I don't think his true form is what we're seeing now, but I I do think that the club can use the insurance that it has gotten for the Ryan Mountcastle experience to put them in, in the opportunity to win ball games. Yeah. All right. Uh, truth or aberration? Uh, are we seeing the true self of Adam Frazier? What is the true self of Adam Frazier? $8 million. Besides the monetary basis, like if you had to go to a brand new fan of Uh of baseball or Orioles baseball, and they're sitting down for the first time, and they're like, tell me about this Adam Frazier guy. How would you describe Adam Frazier? Steady and uninteresting. So exactly how your wife describes you. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're paying Adam Frazier to be pretty okay. And, um... Uh, he, here's a question that I would raise is I think uh, when Adam Frazier was at the very bottom of the lineup before the Mullins injury, I think that was okay. It was the aspect of like, Oh yeah, he's here. He's like the understudy basically. Mm-hmm. Like he's there, but you're not really paying much attention. He's like, he's not bad. But now that he's at the top of the lineup, he's struggling mightily. I mean, I think he's got what a 600 uh, OPS right now. Um, so, yeah, not doing great um, over these past 14 days. So, I mean, again, I come back to this question of, like, what is an Adam Frazier? See, I'm, I'm disappointed that he's not doing better up there at the top of the lineup. I will say that I don't think anybody else has really cemented themselves into a better candidate to replace Cedric Mullins. Right. And so while he's doing, you know, the Lord's work while Cedric Mullins is down, I'm not so frustrated about that. A- Adam Frazier has a 94 weighted runs created plus on the season. He's just under the norm, sure. the average player. And I think that if you give him, you know, two, three weeks in the other direction that he is, a, a, a you know, at a 100, yeah. 
I think is that good enough though? Oh, I think he's fine. Okay, I, I think it's fine. Now, you know, if you say, "Oh, are you okay with that?" and a struggling Jorge Mateo, and are you okay with that? And you know, on the days where where Ryan Mountcastle's not not doing great, and 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 well, sure, some of the parts things start to, to creep up. But I think if you're asking me, hey, we went and we paid uh, Adam Fraser X dollars to. <laughs> Uh, be a, a regular Joe. I think he's giving you that. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I, I think the truth of the matter is, you know, you paid someone eight million dollars for a one-year deal. What were you really expecting out of the whole whole situation? So yeah. I think Adam Frazier is, in essence, like you said, steady, uninteresting, and um, you know he's fine. Um, but again, I would like to see him in that we'll call it seven through nine spot, and not in the leadoff spot. So. Um, from your lips to Hyde's ears. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you that no one has really exemplified saying this is a person that needs to be in that leadoff spot at this moment. Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit, um, and we'll go from there. All right. True form or aberration, Austin Hayes. Um, can I put true form with, like, a slight asterisk? Like, I think he's overplaying a little bit, but I don't think it's that outlandish. All right. Expand. Convince me. We've seen Austin Hayes do this before for a full half, first half of the season. I mean, then he has gotten injured. I think the big question has always been with Austin Hayes of he does this all the time. He does it over a pretty long sample size, but then he has a tendency to not make it through an entire season. So I would say, yes, this is the true standpoint of an Austin Hayes. We've seen this before. We've seen this story before. My question is, when we get into August and September, can Austin Hayes still go out there and participate in the fashion that he is? Yeah, I think he nailed it. I mean, Austin Austin Hayes has a one thirty one weighted runs created plus. He's got a one point two WAR so far. Yeah, I mean he's he's on pace to have a really good season. Yeah, he's on pace to have a three plus WAR season, uh, which we would take in a heartbeat. Is the most we score from your, from a corner outfielder. So, um, I, like I said, I want to see Austin Hayes succeed. I want to see him do it over an entire season. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be great. And like I said, it'd be very interesting to see, um, what the Orioles do with Austin Hayes, um, considering, you know, you've got Kowser potentially coming up in the future. Um, you know, Kirsten technically is an outfielder right now, but like I said, I think that they're going to be trying to groom him for first base. Um, yeah, just, just something to keep an eye on, but yeah, Austin Hayes gets my true, but with an asterisk off, I want to see it progress past the all-star break. And until I see that. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. All right. Um, I promise I'm not being sarcastic with this. Yeah. And a better uh, podcast host would have put this directly after Adam Fraser. But I ask you, true form or aberration, what can you tell me about what you've seen so far from Aaron Hicks? Oh. Um, all right. So... You know how the Yankees or other teams, in essence, pick up somebody and you're like, how is that working for them? Mm -hmm. And then it eventually goes bad in two or three weeks. I think we're seeing that with the Aaron Hicks scenario. Um, You know, another example was Gary Sanchez was just picked up by the Padres. And I think he had a home run this evening as well. I think he has four home runs, maybe. But again, he has multiple home runs at this point. Um, I I think, you know, I think uh, I think Derek Arnold actually mentioned this of like, uh, it's time for yeah. It's it's time for the you know Aaron Hicks to go on a on a tear for two week stretch. And I I think that's right. I think Aaron Hicks is you know doing really well right now. I'll give the tip of the cap. I don't think anyone expected this, um, and, and that's fine. But I just don't see Aaron Hicks being 
the long-term solution for the Orioles past, we'll call it mid-July. Follow-up. Yeah. Can Aaron Hicks plug the hole through the entirety of Cedric Mullins' injury? No. Does he have to? No. I agree on both counts, and so I'm delighted with what I've seen. Agree. I'm completely delighted. I think the bigger question, everyone keeps mentioning this, is uh, is Aaron Hicks a better version of Ryan McKenna, and is it worth keeping on the 40-man roster? For how long? For the rest of the season, as a bench spot. No. So you need an extra outfielder, right? Agree. So does does he serve the role as a fourth outfielder? Definitely a better bat than Ryan McKenna. Okay. Um, I'm struggling with the binary option of Aaron Hicks or Ryan McKenna. Well, you're not putting both on the roster. No, but I do think that the Orioles have other outfielders in their system. That's fair. Like a Kowser, for example. Sure. So that's fair. Like So I think it gets into a, a question of like, could you carry someone like a Kowser, a Hicks, a utility infielder, and um, uh, McCann, basically, on your bench. I think that's possible, based off of what we've seen so far. Again, you don't have a horn then, um, but I think it's possible. The, the other question I think comes down to, let's say that the rest of the season goes the way we hope, mm-hmm. and that the Orioles have to play playoff series. Sure. Hopefully series plural. Yep. If you're talking about the last guy on your bench, mm-hmm. do you want to carry, as I just recommended, a rookie? Mm-hmm. Do you want to carry a guy uh, who has the credentials of Ryan McKenna? Or do you want to carry, as again, the last guy on your bench, a guy like Aaron Hicks, who's I would, played for the New York Yankees? I, again, I don't buy much into the whole experience angle, but there is a little bit of that. So I'm going to go, if I had to choose between Hicks and McKenna in a playoff scenario to basically come off the bench, I'm obviously picking Hicks to come off the bench. There's no question about it. I, I agree. I just think the decision point that the Orioles are going to be in is going to be before all that. Yeah. And I, and I think that his value in that scenario that I, again, I brought it up. It's my fault. That's an, that scenario that I just described is not worth waiting for through the intervening months. So I, I think that he's yeah. going to be a short-term plug. Hopefully this is an opportunity for him to restart his career somewhere else. Yeah. We'll see. I think the Orioles are going to ride with Aaron Hicks for the rest of the season. I think that's going to be his true form. Wow. Wow. I am I am shocked by that. I'm not saying I like the decision. No, no. I, I, I But I think shocked. that uh, the Orioles are going to ride with it pretty much for the entire season. All right. True form or aberration? Talk to me about CNL Perez. True form. I agree with you. I don't... He's got... I mean, outside of last season, last season he was great. There's no question about it. But you look at his entire career and you look at what he's doing right now and you're like, it's not like there's bloops or anything like that. It's just he's laying meatballs up there. So, again, I have no faith in CNL Perez. There's no deception is the best way to describe it like we saw last year with CNL Perez. So I think this is his true form. And I think the Orioles really have to start considering um, whether it's worth a 40-man spot for CNL Perez. I, I agree with almost everything there. Yeah. I think if their expectation with what their bullpen options were going to be had come to fruition, yeah, that would be the truth. But he's in essence a rule five pick at this point. Like, oh yeah, it's like it's you look and you're like, well, I can't put him down to Norfolk. He's got no options, um, and I'm only going to bring him in when the situation is absolutely dire. Um, and I know I'm either going to basically wave the white flag to end the game, 
or we are getting smoked so bad that the game is not going to happen. So he is in essence, a rule five pick of like, well, we want to maintain him on the roster for some reason. And I just don't see the point anymore. Like, why would you want a Cianna Perez um, on your team at this given point? If Dylan Tate were here. Sure. If Michael, Dylan Tate was here, Cianna Perez would be gone at if, this point. If Michael Givens were healthy. Sure. If some of the starting rotation were more effective to the point where the bullpen didn't have to cover so many innings. Sure. Maybe you would be okay with some of your minor league options. Yeah. I think if the Orioles had their druthers, they would they would move on from a Cena Perez. I think he's for now. Yeah. Safe because of circumstance. But I, I agree. I think that he is in his true form of bubble guy. Sure. And and again, I completely agree with you. Like, you know, there isn't a lot of, you know, bullpen options on that basis. Um, and you also have your starters not going deep. But again, this comes back to my question, which is if your starters are not going deep and they're going to go five or six innings, why not go and pull individuals from the minor leagues and basically say, yes, we're going to get you to be starters. But instead, what we're going to do is we're going to pull you into the bullpen and have you pitch two to three innings every three three days. I'd pull DL Hall up again. I'd be like, DL, we are going to get you to be a starter in 2024. We do not want you being a starter for the major league team in 2023. Instead, we want you to start ramping up so that every three days you can go out there and pitch two innings. I'd be, I'd be using Mike Bauman differently. I would be using Mike Bauman differently too. I would be using Bruce Zimmerman in that same fashion. I'd say, Bruce, we're going to basically put you onto the major league roster. And we're going to ask you to just like I said to D to DL, we're going to ask you to go out there every three days and pitch two innings. And again, it makes a ton of sense, not just for the rest of the season, but let's even get into the consideration of playoff baseball. We saw specifically, even with the greatest pitchers last year during the playoffs, that Major League Baseball managers did not want to see starters go that deep into games and basically see the same batters multiple times. So again, if you're going to have a you know a pitcher like Kyle Gibson, which again, I love Kyle Gibson, I don't want Kyle Gibson to see the lineup three times through. I want to have him see it twice, and then I want to basically want to bring in a pitcher. That may be the fourth inning. That may be the fifth inning. I'm cool with that because, again, I've got another individual come in right after that. I think back to, again, you know, 2012, and I think back to, like, you know, the Orioles piggybacking, basically, saying we're going to reach in for four innings, and then we're going to basically use our bullpen mm-hmm. to basically extend the games. I, I think it's a really smart strategy, and I think, you know, we've talked about the whole season. Use your 40-man to your advantage. The Orioles have to start making moves, um, and I look at CNL Perez, and I'm like, that's not a person that should be on a playoff team. You need to find a relief pitcher that can go multiple innings, multiple days. So what I'm hearing is more Ryan McKenna on the mound. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, next question is this true form or aberration. Yep. From what we've seen so far, uh, you know, we, we discussed Tyler Wells. Yep. Now I want to turn the attention to Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish. Yeah, I think it's pretty true form i think it's 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 a similar standpoint to tyler wells i think they're a little bit less than a tyler wells but i see kyle bradish and dean kramer as you know one and a half to two war pitchers i think they're back end rotation pitch pitchers i mean i don't think they're aces um but i think you look at them and say with a bradish a kramer and a tyler wells you've got a back end of the rotation and then the real question comes back down to who can be your number one and who can be your number two and right now you're saying Kyle Gibson is your number one. 
Um, but in reality, you know, going into the playoffs, you know, Gibson needs to be there. Um, but in reality, going into the playoffs, you need to have Grayson Rodriguez back in form of where you want him to be. And you need to have another starting pitcher that you went out and traded for. Or maybe one that recovered from his arm and back strain injury. Yes, maybe, maybe we'll see if we'll see if he gets back. I still think like, again, coming back to the bullpen. I think John means is going to come into the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see John means pitching in that seventh or eighth inning role and just doing some really fun stuff. I have to tell you, I, I'm a little disappointed with what I've seen from the tandem of Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish. Now, Dean has fared better. He He's averaging just under six innings. Yep. I think it's five, five and two thirds. Uh, Kyle a Bradish. A few of those are also quick hooks by, by sure. uh, Brandon Hyde. Like, there's a few situations where like a single or a double would happen and he's, you know, through five and two thirds. And it's just like, let the boy try to get through it. He's only at 93 pitches. Like, let's see what he can do is the best way to describe it. So, so I don't, I don't hate that take. I don't. Uh, but what, one thing I will tell you is that this team is 15 games over 500 and, and, in a season that we are accustomed to, sure. where the stakes don't matter, yeah, that is a very easy argument to make. But I, but I, I feel like the the alternative take of we're in trouble, let's go win this game, sure, is also easy for me to fall into. I, 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 I get it, and I completely understand it. My whole thing comes back down to we obviously can look at the the bullpen and see how overused mm-hmm. it is. Getting one additional out there yeah. really helps to set up the entire game differently. Um, that's the only thing I'd say is like I'd like to see and the week differently, correct. the series differently. I right. just like to see them, you know, stretch them out a little bit past the standpoint, especially like during the regular season, to say I'm okay with you going out there and pitching, you know, 100 to 110 pitches. We saw that recently with Tyler Wells, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, so I'd like to see that from Dean Kramer being going out and telling him, hey. We're going to ask you to throw 110 pitches today. We're going to ask you to kind of bulldog through it. And I think that's something that they have to start doing more so of. I I would love for that to be the case. I, I ask you, um, do you think that the unexpectedly thin rotational options account for that approach at all? Yes. If... if Cole Irvin had been more effective, if Grayson Rodriguez had been more effective, if John Means hadn't had a setback, if, 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 if. I, I do think that there's a little bit of conservative uh, mindset to this where they're like, well, we don't want to, in essence, get into a bind. Um, that being said, though, like, if you had to pull Cole Irvin up for two or three weeks, I don't think it's a disaster. If you had to pull up a Grayson Rodriguez again for two to three weeks, again, he should be coming up pretty soon as it is. Um, and then I, I mentioned before, Bruce Zimmerman is another one that I think would be okay for two or three weeks. I don't think it'd be great, but I think it'd be okay. Or, or maybe in a bullpen game instead of a Keegan Aiken. Right. Or an Austin Voth. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There is a, there's a decent amount of talent floating around Norfolk in that, in the pitching. Uh, I would like to push Kramer a little bit more. That's all I would say. And, you know, Bradish, I think has been really nice. I think he's got some really good standpoints. Um, I think what differentiates out a Tyler Wells compared to a Bradish and Kramer is Tyler Wells has figured out how to mix up his pitching repertoire. And I don't know if I've seen that just yet with a Dean Kramer um, or a Kyle Bradish. Um, They've in essence been relying more on stuff. 
Um, and I think we saw that with Grayson, honestly, too. He's just relying on stuff. So I, I still think Kramer and, and Bradish are really nice pitchers. I'd like to see them continually in the bullpen. They're just my back-end starters, is the best way to put it. All right. Well, I think that we have... I think we've uncovered truths here, Scott. I think we sought it and we achieved it. And so let's head to second base. And the second base, I want to talk about the All-Star Game. Yep. And no, I'm not just going to whine about the fact that the All-Star Game isn't in Baltimore and won't be for a long time. I'm not I'm not going to do it, Scott. Yeah. I'm not going to do, do it. it. I'm not, not going to do it. I'm not going to. Okay. All right. So let me ask you, who do you think will be representing the Orioles at the All-Star Game this year? Uh, sure. So Ali Rutschman. Clearly. Clearly. Don't think he starts. You don't think he gets voted in as the starting catcher for the American League? I don't know. I I think he should. Oh, I think he should, too. I don't think you're wrong. But I don't think he's going to get the start. Um, but I think he gets voted in for, for obvious reasons. Um, I think Cedric Mullins will not get voted in. And I think he will, in essence, be acknowledged that he would have been an all-star. But he, the Orioles are not going to let him be an all-star. Uh, so they'll scratch him. Um, so that, I think Adley Rutschman is your only position player on the All-Star game. Now, pitching-wise, I think you see Felix Batista and uh, Yannir Cano both get picked for the All-Star game. Selected. Okay. <clears throat> I think that is a, a reasonable... I think that is a reasonable argument. I can't think of anything else. Like, who else would you include? Well, I I think I'm asking... One question, which is, who do you think is going to go? Yeah. So let me ask the the other half of that question. Is, sure. Who do you think is playing at an all-star caliber? I think those are the three players, honestly. Like, give me another name. Besides, I mean, like, I give you four, honestly, with Mullins being injured. Yeah. But, like, who's the other person you would, you would call out? No, I, I think you're right. And that leads us all the way back to that discussion we just had Correct. about how many players playing at an all-star level do you need for a team to contend? Correct. Now, of course, we've got an extra uh, wild card spot and yada, 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 yada. Yeah. But no, I, 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 think that's, I think that's all fine. Um, so yes, I think that those are our, our three likely participants. Good Lord, I hope that Adley Rutschman gets the, the popular vote. It would really, really well, bum I, me out. I will out say otherwise. this much. Um, either Adley will get it or a former Orioles prospect will uh, get uh, the starting nomination. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, All-Star Game tickets are not easy to get. Sure. But let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Is there a location for the All-Star Game outside of Canyon Yards that you would say, you know what, it might be worth going out there that week. Maybe I can get a ticket to the Home Run Derby, or maybe I can get a ticket to some some other part of the week, or maybe I can, you know, spend spend all the money in my kids' college uh, tuition fund to get an, an All Star Game ticket. Is there a, a location that would make you stand up and take notice and say, "Hey, I've got to go out and do it"? No, you're no fun. I, I clearly Las Vegas. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, number one, it's such a, a joke of a festivity, is what we describe it, um, that I think it's great if it was held in Baltimore and it's a fun thing to do. But it's not something that I'm like, I really have to go see the All-Star Game or I really have to see the Home Run Derby. I, if I'm going to spend big bucks, I'm going to save that money for playoff baseball. Here, here. Agree in many ways. Or spring training, honestly. I'd rather go see spring training. Then I would an all-star game. I think, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't have the 
I don't have the figures here in front of me because I was not going to whine about the location of the of the All Star Game. But one of the sites that has not had the game in longer than I would have thought was Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think after the renovations to Wrigley, sure, it's only a matter of time before the All Star Game returns there. Yeah, and I think that that will be, I think that will be a good moment for baseball. Yeah, and one of the things that I think is interesting about all, the All Star Game, the All Star Week is that uh, you and I are not the prime demographic for We're not. those f- festivities, Correct. right? It's our, it's our kids. Yeah. Uh, we, we would uh, appreciate the history of, uh, you know, Wrigley, and our kids would appreciate just how far the ball would travel during the Home Run Derby. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there are that many places that would, that would get me excited, but I, I am looking forward to the pomp and circumstance of the game going back uh, to yeah. Chicago. All right, let's head over to third base. At third base, and I don't want to make a whole meal of this, but I want to take a quick peek ahead. Sure. We talked extensively, extensively about the May schedule. And here we are in June. Uh, the Orioles took two of three of the Giants. It looks like they're about to drop two, at least two of three uh, to the Brewers. Yep. And let's talk about that. I mean, the Giants were about 500 when we saw them. Yep. The Brewers are about four games over 500. Yep. But here's here's the slog, right? We're going to see the Royals, who are terrible, mm-hmm. for three games. We're going to see the Blue Jays at home, who are four or five games above 500. Yep. We're going to see the Cubs, who are under 500. We're going to see the Rays for just a two-game series. Yep. We're going to see uh, the Mariners, who are just about 500. We're going to see the Rays, who are just under 500. And then if we extend that look into the games that just take place before we get to take a breather at the All-Star break, sure, we've got... The Twins at about 500 uh, for two series. Yep. Split by a four-game series against the Yankees. Yeah. Honestly, if we're looking at being at a 15-game... I said this before last week when the Mullins injury happened. I want to go 500. While he's gone? While he's gone. Yeah. That's where I, I keep looking at. So, you know, taking two of the three from the Giants, and I'm like, Cool. Like that puts us in good projections. The Brewers series, obviously we're going to lose two games here. It looks like um, maybe three, um, but I look at the schedule and I say to myself, yes, it's a lesser schedule than we faced in May. Um, but I look at, you know, Mullins being out of lineup and what, you know, lineups have basically been posted and how the Orioles have been playing. And I say, I hope we can tread water. That's what I'm going with at this given moment. And really, you know, you tread water at 15 games over 500. You end at 96 wins, right? Um, I don't know if that's quite right. You go 500 the rest of the season. You're 15 games over 500, 15 over 81. Well, it's not 15 over 81, right? Because we're what? 35 and 20, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be seven games above 81, right? Because 88 minus. All right. I'm with you. Yeah. Math. All right, so you're still at you're still in, you're 80, still in the, 89 wins. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying is like if you went the rest of the season, we said this before. When you go if we went the rest of the season 500, you'd finish at 88 to like 90 games, give or take. So again, you'd probably need to be better than that on a long term basis. But let's let's be frank here. It's it's a situation of like you're at that Cedric Mullins. Um, you have not gone out and made this big splash trade that everyone thinks the Orioles should go out and do. Um, and again, you also have not gone and, you know, promoted anybody this season so far yet, like some of the other teams are doing at this given moment. So yeah, I look at June and July without Cedric Mullins and I say, 
go 500. I will say there is a few series in there that I think are absolutely critical. Um, the Blue Jays series at home, absolutely critical series. You need to win that series. And then again, I will come back to that Yankee series in July. You need to split that series. Got to split it. Got to split it. You cannot lose the Yankee series. Um, I, I know they're not on the schedule, but something that I was looking at because I am, I have dark thoughts is the best way to describe <laughs> it. Um, do you know what the tiebreakers are for the playoffs? So I, I, we've gone through this before, like it's head to head, basically. Sure. But if you have the same record on a head to head basis, do you know where it goes to next? Is it uh, divisional play, conference play, and then a toss of a coin? Yeah. So it's intra division play. So you basically look at how you performed in your division. And I got to thinking about this, like the Yankees standpoint, I'm not going to lose my sleep over that. The Blue Jays, you know, actually been really doing poorly in the AL East. But it also applies to the Astros, who you would look at their division record against the AL West. And I was just like, I don't like that. Like, I don't like that whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I anything you can do to be break, break, breaking head-to-head tiebreakers first um, makes me happy. So, yeah, that Blue Jays and Yankees series I think is a big one. But, yeah, for me, and I said this last week, I want to go 500. So, again, if you lose this Brewers series... You know, let's say you go, you lose two out of three here and you don't get swept by the Brewers. You're at 500 baseball. That means you go against the Royals, the Blue Jays, the Cubs, the Rays, the Mariners, and Reds. Just keep going 500, and I'm cool with that. I, I got to be honest. The Orioles are not firing on all cylinders. Not they even close. They don't have all their weapons right now. I'm not in panic mode. I'm really not. I think that they've, they've built themselves enough of a cushion where it would take a lot of unsuccessful baseball for me to get uncomfortable. I'm, I'm uncomfortable now, honestly. Like, just looking at how they're playing, looking at the lineups, I'm uncomfortable. I mean, I'm looking at it in, like, you look at that first game for, for yesterday for the, the, the Brewers game, and yes, the it was a close game. Um, but you look at it and say the only offense that we had was Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn. That's scary. I I think this is a this is a phase. It's a swing. It's not the it, reality. You said this when you were in college. You said it was just a phase, and it has led let on to your entire life here. So it's just a phase, Scott. Yeah. It's just a phase. All right, let's head on into home plate. And Scott, I have a, I have a confession. To sure, make. the Orioles are interesting. Yeah, the Orioles are entertaining. The Orioles are a good club. Yep, and. We have not been able to say that for a long time. No. And because of that, I find myself with less attention to give to our minor league system. I am not paying attention to the individual performances, to the trends of the team, really? of our minor league affiliates the way I used to. So you're not following the 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 torrid history of our aspect of what like Jackson Holiday is doing or a Judd Fabian. I'm not or, following the box scores the way Creed I used to. Williams or anything like that. No. Hmm. And so I, I ask you, uh, is that simply me being a bad fan? Or is that the fact that we, uh, myself included, don't really have a good handle on, you know, how do we how do we support a good club? Like, what do I do with my hands? You know what I mean? I, I, f- I find that I am so consumed with enjoying the Orioles 2023 season that I'm not looking ahead to the next wave as much as as I have in in the last ten years. Yeah. So I, I I understand where you're coming from. Where 
um, when there is good product on the field from a major league baseball standpoint, uh, the attention span can only go so far. You can't, you know, sometimes in essence, you know, follow everything that's going on. However, I would say you are a bad fan. Um, and this is why I would say you're a bad this, fan. This is fair and I accept you, it. You need to be following um, how folks are doing, I would say specifically in Aberdeen, Bowie, in Norfolk. I don't really care about Delmarv anymore since it's low A. Um, but I think it's really important to kind of follow it because, again, it gives you generalized trends of saying who's coming up, who's next, um, who is going to you know be part of this franchise in 2024, 25, 26. Um, and it starts to get you thinking. So I think, um, the common fan that would listen to this podcast is probably, you know, I wouldn't say every day following the box scores, but is at least checking in to see how is Norfolk doing? How is Bowie doing? Um, every, every other day is the best way to describe it. Um, and then I would say, you know, coming back to that standpoint, you know, if you want to know what prospects are up and coming that are maybe not household names, Again, that's what BSL The Verge is for. And again, people should be following them. They should be listening to their podcasts. They should be joining their Patreon. Um, but absolutely, Orioles fans, you should be caring about the minor leagues. Again, um, um, you know, Jackson Holiday looks like he's going to be the number one prospect now um, with um, uh, De La Rosa's uh, promotion, um, which means that the Orioles would have the number one prospect as for Baseball America three years in a row. has never happened before in the publication of Baseball America. Um, so I do think you have to care and I do think you need to care as well. Coming back to the point that I was making earlier, which is the Orioles have a plethora of talent. They eventually have to trade it. What better time than now when your team is scuffling to basically say we're going all in. Well, good. so be better, Jake, be better. I accept that. You ask when would be a better time. I think a better time would be when we have an ownership group that is, committed to being here uh, and committed to winning here. Jake, it's Baltimore. The gods will have no mercy on you. Well, with that uh, and an equally similar aspect of showing no mercy, let's go over to fantasy boss really quickly. Jake, we have entered in to a whole new level of absurdity. Let me explain to you <laughs> why I'm so angry about this week's Fantasy Boss. Go for it. You lied to my face. I did. You lied to my face last week. You said, oh, hey, they're on the West Coast, but there's only one. I thought there was only one game Like when I looked at it. and then I one late night I looked game. at Saturday, and I'm like, wait a second. Saturday is also a late night game. And so... We set last week's fantasy balls at the 1.5 yep. over under dongs after dark. Sure. And I thought I only had one game. Right. And so sure so, enough. So if we would have had two games, the over and under would have been like two and a half, right? No, no. It was I, one and a half? I, it was one and a half. Oh, if it I was, was one gonna, and a half or two games, I'd go over in a heartbeat. I was going to hold you to it because yeah. you made the mistake. And the Orioles hit a home run in that first game. I was like, amazing. 
All they have to do is hit a home run in this game that Scott wasn't accounting for, and I will finally win Fantasy Boss because he overlooked, and of course they got blanked by Alex Cobb, and I lost. Oh, they didn't hit a home run again. on Saturday? They didn't score a run, Oh, that's Scott. right. They got blanked. Oh. So you were going to throw an asterisk onto me misunderstanding the situation, and still the Orioles did not deliver for you. I wasn't going to throw an asterisk. <laughs> I was going to take the W. <laughs> I was going to get off the schneid, and I was excited about it. And, of course, they blew it They blew it still. Scotty, I am so disheartened with fantasy balls. I feel like the very baseball fates are against me. I don't know if the fates are against you, but, yeah, it has not been a a great week for you um, and a great season so far. Um, All right, so categories. Wait, wait, wait. Let's be clear. That, That takes the score to an astounding Seven to nothing. Yeah, it, it does. Um, so category. Am I picking this week or are you picking this week? I think you should because something's got to get. All right. So the category that we're going to go for this week is we're going to go back to 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 Jake categories. As we describe it. We're going to go with RBIs this week. <laughs> RBIs, Jake. So uh, give me who you think is going to have the most RBIs on this team uh, for this upcoming week. The, who's going to have the most RSBI? RSBIs. <sighs> That's such a dumb stat, Scott Magnus. <laughs> I don't. That's know. why it's going to be perfect because it's just a it's a almost a random standpoint. All right, I think it's going to be Aaron Hicks. Okay, um, I think Aaron Hicks has definitely been a world beater as of late. Uh, I'm going to go with Austin Hayes and see how it goes. But yeah, we're going to basically go outfielders and hopefully that they they have some RBIs. Um, along the along the prospects, so we'll see who owns it. Hopefully, Jake can finally get on the scoreboard, um, and uh, we will see who owns it. Um, and with that, it's time to figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started this week, as so very often happens. And I just spoke his name into the mirror three times. My good is Aaron Hicks uh, for this past week. He's been useful, and I was not expecting that. And I'm delighted that while Cedric Mullins is gone, Aaron Hicks has been a a positive uh, player and for as long as it lasts, I will take it. I, I don't need to lay my replacement of Cedric Mullins' hopes on him. He simply has been a net positive, and that's been good. Yeah, I agree. Um, my good is going to go to, we'll call it someone of the Orioles organization. Uh, for folks that don't know, um, David Hess is currently undergoing uh, cancer treatment at this given moment. There's been a lot of kind of public support coming out to basically support medical costs. I'm associated with it. Um, but one that I kind of wanted to call out was the Orioles are doing an online auction at this given time um, where the players have kind of band together. Uh, they signed bats, they signed gloves, they put, you know, various memorabilia out there. Um, so there's an auction at Orioles.com slash auction um, where players have uh, in essence put on uh, put up gear um, and all those proceeds are going to go to supporting uh, David Hess, uh, former Oriole, um, and all, 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 all the proceeds are going to help out. So all net proceeds will go directly to the Hess family to kind of support this out. So 
I think it's a great, great standpoint to kind of, you know, take a really bad situation and, and make the most of it. So kudos to uh, the Orioles organization, Orioles team for kind of rallying around David Hess. Here, here. My bad is going to go to Anthony Santander, who's had a pretty miserable week. I would just like to point out that if it weren't for Adam uh, Adam Frazier and Adley Rutschman, Anthony Santander would lead the club this past week in plate appearances at 22. And in that time, boy, has he been busy not being busy. He's got a negative 55 weighted runs created plus, but here's where I get crazy. He's got a 27.3 K rate against a 0% for walks and Scott he has a zero BABIP Oof. he has zero on balls in play yeah his batting average is zero well, that's a rough week that's bad that's bad yeah uh, my bat's gonna go to Ramon Urias who after coming off the IL he's been scuffling mightily um, again in 26 plate appearances he's got a zero 80 average um, and a negative 32 weighted runs created plus or a 124 Wuba. Um, Ramon has not looked like the batter that he has been in the past. Even from a plate discipline standpoint, he's been pretty poor. Hopefully he breaks out of that um, in the very near future. Um, but right now, Ramon Urias is bad. My ugly for this week is going to be, I guess, sheer circumstance in the fact that as Cedric Mullins is out of the lineup, it's this moment in which some of the other outfield players have been not impressive. And what I mean by that is that Austin Hayes is batting at a 56 way to runs create a plus and Ryan McKenna at a 35. These are two players that are going to fill in in center field. And, you know, in the case at least of, of Ryan McKenna, is going to get more at bats. And in the case of Austin Hayes, this is the time where the complimentary player or the player that we talked about, you know, absolutely hitting the cover off the ball this season can really shine. And they just happen to get cold at a time when, frankly, you know, the team needs them the most. So my ugly is the sheer circumstances of it all. And my ugly for the week is going to go to, well, it's myself. And it kind of comes back to the situation like we've been talking about. If you've listened to this entire podcast, you've been like, man, there's a lot of negativity for as good as this team has been. And Jake has basically pointed this out of like, they are 15, you know, games above 500 um, and be good enough for a 91 team. And again, I look at this team and I say to myself, this is a team that is, you know, overperforming a little bit compared to where they should be. Um, but at the same point, even if you take away some of their overperformance standpoint, they're still playing you know, slightly above 500 baseball, I would say. Um, when I look how they're competing against the Brewers, I'm like, they're probably a Brewers-esque team at this given moment um, in terms of the composition that they're putting on the field um, at this given time. So I say to myself, yes, um, you know, it. there is things that we can kind of be negative on, is the best way to describe it. But on a whole, it's an extremely long baseball season, and there's going to be these ebbs and flows. We came out so high, so excited, good, good, goods all through May, to a certain regard from a baseball season standpoint, you have to be preparing yourself mentally that there's going to be these you know stretches where you're going to lose back-to-back series. You're going to lose series to teams that you didn't think. Um, but again, overall on a whole, it's all about getting through the long stretch. And I think we've seen through this Mullen situation, um, we're going to see how resilient the team is. Um, a team cannot be built on one player. And if it is, 
then truly it's not a playoff team. And again, we saw that in 2012. I mentioned this in the last podcast with Marquez going down. We also saw this in 2014 with Machado and Davis obviously going out right before the playoffs. Um, so again, this is a great opportunity for the team to, in essence, you know, show what kind of resilience they have, um, get Cedric Mullins back, and then see what kind of fire they can catch to be similar to April and May once again. So again, my standpoint is the ugly, you know, a lot of negativity, you know, from my myself a little bit tonight, but overall out there in kind of birdland, it's okay to critique the team, but let's not throw too much water on the Baltimore Orioles at this given time for the 2023 season. Wholeheartedly agree. I, I, there have been so many seasons where there has been no joy provided right. by the ball club. There's joy to be had here. And sure, right now it's frustrating. I mean, I just flashed the score while Scott was talking. It's 10 to nothing yeah. in the eighth. But, but you just won a series against the Giants. So like, yeah, if you can get sweeped by the Brewers, you're just like, that stinks. Um, but it's still not a death now. Because again, like you pointed out, you built yourself a little bit of a cushion in April and May where we'll call it, you know, the balancing act is not as severe. So you can go again in a little bit of a rut and you can kind of come out for it. So again, you're absolutely right. Um, I was thinking about it today. You know, I probably haven't been turning into as much Orioles baseball as I was in April and May because I'm like, I don't really want to see that lineup. So I'll watch it, but maybe not to the given degree that I was watching it in April. Stealing and May. your heart away. But again, I completely agree with you. There is still a lot of fun and good baseball to be seen this season. And even though they're not playing that way like they did in April and May, doesn't mean you shouldn't be as committed as a fan on this basis. But by all means, critique, ask questions, but don't lose fandom on it is the best way to put it. Here, here. All right, let's uh, step aside and then come back and blow the save. I know this is going to shock you, but I plan on speaking for just a moment about sports aesthetics. I think that we are spoiled. We're spoiled in the fact that the Baltimore Orioles wear orange and black, and that there are so few other teams out there that play that play in orange and black. For instance, how many times must fans of teams that wear blue or red, watch games in which both teams wear the same color. It was super weird this weekend watching games in which I had to do a double take because one of the teams wearing black jerseys with orange trim and an orange and black hat did well. And oh, it wasn't your team. Somebody just hit a double. Is that us or is that not us? It was really distracting to play. It was like we wore black the black kits with the you know the orange trim on friday night and they wore orange with black trim and then like you know they wore their black with orange trim and we wore the grays and the, it like it was just very it was very confusing and i realized like wow this is the only time we ever have to deal with this yeah other clubs i'm sure are, are used to this i didn't like it it was annoying really it was annoying to me See, this is completely surprising to me because I would think, you know, based off the man brains that we have, this would be like, it's like I'm dating twins at this given point. So 
I kind of like seeing the sea of orange, the sea of black, as it were, um, because, again, I don't have to look at pinstripes or, you know, you know, maple leaves or anything like that. So it was kind of like, you know, you know, dating somebody and then then pulling out a cousin being like, this cousin looks exactly like me is the best way to put it. So I make a ridiculous point about the fact that I didn't like the fact that we had to share colors with another team. And your response basically comes down to and twins and twins. Absolutely. And that, that is our show. <laughs> Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, Snapchat, the ticks, and the talks while it is still legal to do so. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Chin up and let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.